Good morning. Good morning. Can I have your attention? We're going to get started. Um, and to start, I just have a couple of quick announcements to send your way. And, uh, and then we're going to hear from one of our elders, our elderly elders. I'm sorry, that just came out. <laughs> So welcome to Conroe Bible Church. It's good to see you all. If you are a guest, we want you to know that you're most welcome. We're glad that you're with us. If you're joining us online, thanks for participating with us that way. Um, there are a couple of things coming up soon, um, and you can find out about those things uh, on our website or on the Church Center app, either way. But one of them that's coming up this next week is, uh, is called, does anybody know what it's called? Family Focus. I learned that right here on the app. Family Focus, uh, an, event, an event for the whole family. Um, and if that's something you're interested in, you can find out about it on the, on the, the app, and you can sign up there as well um, to participate. But that's going to happen this coming Saturday. Um, so please get ready for that. We're going to begin this morning with, with a, a word from, from Dick Norman um, on our annual report. And that is my cue. And I'm supposed to look at Mandy in the eye so she can tell me to hold the microphone up. So we're excited uh, that you're here today, and good morning. Uh, excited that you're here. Um, as you know, um, this last year brought a lot of challenges, but also a lot of opportunities. One of the challenges from last year was that we weren't able, at this time uh, of the year in May to meet in person to go over our annual report. So, um, so we didn't have that last year, but we have that um, this year. So um, I, I just want to briefly highlight a few, of the, uh, a few of the things, and I'll go over this, um, the ministry plan numbers, but I want to briefly highlight a few of those things um, that our ministry plan for 21, 2020, I get confused on these, 2021 slash 2022, uh, and, and the work that was done by our ministry leaders and uh, the deacons, and especially Jim Mayfield, and putting together our ministry plan. So as you know, or some of you know, or maybe news to you, we operate uh, on a week-to-week, month-to-month cash basis. So that simply means uh, we don't have deficit spending. Uh, we operate on what our income is, what, what comes in. Sort of like the envelope system, if you're familiar with those. Um, if the envelope's empty, we don't do it. We don't proceed. Um, additionally, so you and I, uh, we're the only uh, source of funds. Uh, we don't receive money from any outside organizations. Whatever you and I give, uh, that's our source of income. And, and so one of the challenges always in that, in preparing this ministry plan, um, is there's, there, there can be a, a significant fluctuation in our giving uh, from week to week, month to month. But, and the big but here, but God has and God is always faithful and gracious to meet our needs. And so 2020 was... Um, equally, um, we were equally blessed, abundantly blessed uh, by God during 2020, um, the year of COVID. 
Um, there was a lot of uncertainty, obviously, as, as many of you know and perhaps experienced personally. Um, but on average, our giving, uh, your giving, our giving, um, was much higher. Um, and it seemed like one of the comments was everybody just gave a little more. Another blessing that we received this last year is our mortgage lender, which is Wood Forest Bank. Wood Forest uh, graciously at their own um, initiation uh, gave us a three-month deferral on our loan, uh, our building loan payments. And that was just, it was initiated by them and just an act of grace on their part towards us. Additionally, the SBA uh, and the Wood Forest uh, payroll protection plan, a lot of you guys, business guys, would, or even in your businesses, you know the PPP payroll protection plan. We qualified for that and that was granted as a gift to us so there was no um, requirement to repay that, uh, that money. So again, two great blessings that came our way, um, and again, just the Lord's blessing to us. Um, through our giving and, and through those gifts, um, we were able to accomplish um, most of those things that we had identified in our phase one um, pro projects, beautification, the painting, um, the, some of the sound system work here, uh, the security. Still a little pain to go, but for the most part, that's, that's been completed. Additionally, uh, one of our goals for the last year, which we were able to accomplish, was the air conditioner in the foyer, uh, replacing that. As you know, um, the playground, the children's playground area, again, sort of phase one of the children's playground, um, part of that was the playground equipment and the additional part that we're still working towards is some revamping of that space and some security issues there. So, but uh, we're excited that we were able to finish those. Now, um, I, I wanna go, and I know you're not gonna be able to see this other than, um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, that was, yeah. But you can see at least from there that there's some columns here. And, I, <laughs> and I'm just going to read you the columns, and I'm going to tell you that these are available um, after the service. These will be available after the service on the table back in the back. But so, uh, again, the columns represent our different ministry um, uh, categories, different ministry needs, different uh, expenditures. This first column represents our budget uh, predictions or planning. Our, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to use the word budget. <laughs> it's, it's confusing. Our ministry plan for uh, 2020-2021. So this number you, could, you can't see, but I can see, is $630,790 was our planned uh, uh, expenditures for our ministry plan. I keep, this next column represents the actual this number is 547,404. Obviously, there's a discrepancy there, or there's a difference there. This number, 547 versus 630, um, it, 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 back to illustrating what I said a while ago. If the money's available, we're able to spend. If the monies are not available, then our spending is adjusted. Sort of like 
maybe if you were in 2020, since we had such great illustrations in the, the restaurant industry, the food service industry, if you were a, a, a waiter or a, a food service person in 2020, um, there was some significant changes in your, in your income that year um, for the most part, and you may have not been able to accomplish all that you had planned. So you adjust accordingly, and, that, and that's what we've done here. Uh, these, these numbers represent what was actually received and then adjusted from what was planned. And then this, this last column or this third column represents the, um, the new 2021-2022 uh, budget planning year. Um, and so our, our fiscal year starts on June 1st, and so this number, um, 666,943, represents our ministry plans uh, from all the different ministries and the work of the deacons in planning our um, ongoing expenses for 21-22. Thank you. And these are available, at the, will be available at the table. Thank you. To begin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read just a little bit out of 2 Corinthians 4. And this is from the, uh, from the message version. <clears throat> it says, Every detail works to your advantage and to God's glory. More and more grace. More and more people. More and more praise. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are nothing compared to the good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we now see, they're here today but gone tomorrow. But the things that we can't see, those things last forever. You guys stand up with us.
your home to seek out the lost. You knew the great and terrible cost. Jesus, your face was set. I worked my fingers down to the bone. Nothing I did could ever atone. Jesus, you paid my debt. By your blood, I am redemption and salvation. Lord, you died that I might reap what you have sown. And you rose that I might be a new creation. I am born again by grace and grace all of my life I never knew the day from the night Spirit you made me see I swore I knew the way on my own Head full of rocks a heart made of stone Spirit you moved in me And at your touch my sleeping spirit was awake Calling to a kingdom that cannot be shaken Heaven citizen by grace and grace alone So I'll stand in faith by grace and grace alone I will run the race by grace and grace alone alone I will reach the end by grace and grace
worship you today because you are good, because you are at work. So this morning we ask that you would continue your work in us, drawing us nearer to you, making us more like Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. You guys can have a seat, and if you're one of our kids, K through 5, you can be dismissed to Sunshine Kids Club. This morning, we're going to try to accomplish three different things while I'm up here. The first one is to review our vision, mission, and core values just by reading through them quickly. Uh, and if you uh, had a chance to come in through this back entrance, you may have passed the table and picked up a little bookmark with a new uh, Conroe Bible Church logo on it and uh, all the vision, mission, and core values on the back of it. So if you've got that, you can follow along. If not, it'll be on the screen. Second thing we're going to do is look at uh, God's Word, Colossians chapter 1, and uh, look at what it means to become like Jesus as uh, Chris just prayed and uh, look at discipleship. And then the third thing we'll do is to uh, look at some goals that are a result of the next steps process. Uh, Dick alluded to that earlier. It began uh, about August of 2019, which seems like the last century. And um, we have continued on uh, pre and post COVID. And here we are. So we want to give some goals that might help us. We believe uh, spirit led allow us to accomplish the vision, mission and core values that the Lord has given us. So let's start with uh, the vision. We want to be a church family committed to seeing everyone transformed 
fully committed to seeing everyone transformed by the love of Christ. That's our desire. And we started with that one in the Waypoint series. You might remember we looked at Acts 3 and 4 with uh, both uh, Peter and John and the transformation that took place there. And then our mission, our mission breaks down into three parts. The bottom line is make disciples. But we've broken it up into three parts, and that is we want to engage people with the love of Christ. We want to engage everyone. We want to equip one another through relational disciple-making, and we want to empower the saints for the work of the ministry. So that's our way of saying we're going to fulfill the commission of Christ to go out and make disciples. And then our core values, there are six. The first one is that imperfect people matter. Imperfect people, poor grace, and truth into the lives of those for whom God gave his son, Jesus Christ. And uh, we recognize that we are all imperfect people and that everybody we meet is an imperfect person. But we got the chance to see life change through Christ. The second one is life-changing power. Life-changing power is found in bringing our lives into full submission into the leadership of Jesus Christ. And that's our desire to respond to him. Thirdly is authentic community is God's design for our relationship with him and with one another. The fourth one is 100% employment. And that means that we all have been uniquely gifted for the building up of the body of Christ. And then the faithful engagement is our fifth one. I've memorized the, the subjects. I haven't memorized our new phrases to uh, uh, proclaim them, so I am reading it here, is fixing our eyes on Jesus, trusting him with our work and with the results. And then the last one is adventurous compassion, draws us out to share the love and grace of Jesus in the Lake Conroe area and beyond. So you can see how they kind of start with who we are as people before Christ. They look at our relationship with Christ, with the church family and our service to God here, and then moving out into our community. So that's our review. That's where we went. Uh, we, we did a sermon on each one of those in, the, I guess, uh, February and March leading up to Easter. And uh, this morning, we want to look at uh, Colossians chapter 1. Uh, as our passage for God's word. Everything we do is tied to the power of the Holy Spirit, making us more like Jesus, so that everyone will encounter his life-changing reality through us. That is our vision, uh, to see everyone as a church family, to see everyone transformed by the love of Christ. We are looking for people who treasure discipleship, Treasure discipling others to Jesus. Treasure being discipled to Jesus. But discipleship, I recognize full well as pastor, is often a dreaded word. Some people are just tired of it. They've heard it all their lives. Some people are confused about it or doubt that it can actually take place. Some people shrug it off and say, you know, I did all of that in college, and I do not have the time for that right now. And then some people just don't want to be that vulnerable and open to speaking into others' lives. Well, I have a story about the difference it makes when we treasure something. My wife is an educational therapist for children with learning disabilities, and she has a coworker 
who is currently working with a first grader that uh, is there for the same purposes, uh, to try and learn and, and to try and overcome some of these disabilities. And uh, this uh, individual, this first grader, uh, this student of the co-worker, uh, has just done a horrible job with rhythmic writing. Uh, rhythmic writing, if you're not familiar with that, it's, it's sort of a, taking a piece of chalk, typically on a chalkboard. I know it sounds old school, but it's healthy for the brain. And creating a pattern on the chalkboard where you cross the midline of your brain, and typically with a verbal count. And what happens is it forces you to use both sides of your brain. It's one of the ways that they help students that are with learning disabilities. Just one of the, the methods. Well, he, he was just so horrible at this that he, he would even barely hold the chalk. He just dreaded this every time. Well, the co-worker has a treasure box. And, and in this treasure box, she puts uh, little rewards for when the students, the, her students, finish a project. They get to open the treasure box and take out what is there. And uh, one day, she made rhythmic writing the treasure. The student completed his task that day, his project, and he opened the treasure box and rhythmic writing was the treasure. His rhythmic writing that day was beautiful. She had never seen it. She didn't think it was possible for him to do that well. Why was it beautiful? Because he treasured it. Because this was the thing that he had gained as a reward for accomplishing his other project. He treasured that, and it made all the difference in the world. Well, we are looking for people who treasure discipleship, being discipled and discipling others to Jesus. Jesus gives us plenty of reasons to treasure discipleship. He is the one who commissioned us to do it. He is the one who invites us to join him in his beautiful work of discipleship. Jesus is the one who empowers us in this beautiful work of discipleship. He is the one who calls us to treasure the beautiful work of discipleship. And that's what I want to look at this morning. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, he lays out a pattern for us of discipleship. So it might help those who are confused and doubting or those who kind of gave up on it back in college or, or wherever you are at in life. I hope more than anything else, it inspires you to treasure. Because we're going to look at the pattern that Paul gave. He and Timothy had come had been in Colossae, they had ministered there, and now he's writing back to them and he's letting them know what he's heard about them, and he's reminding them at this point of the approach that he and, Paul, he and Timothy took with their lives. And what we're going to see are three things. We're going to see the person, the process, and the presentation. Those three things, that's how this verse breaks down. And we're going to move kind of quickly here. So in Colossians 1:28, the very first part, the first thing that we see is the person. Our role is to point people to Jesus. Point people to Jesus. Discipleship is about a relationship, not a program. Many of us, especially my age, 
are used to a stack of books that went in order and covered all these great truths and doctrines and practices and skills of discipleship. And when you got through a certain book, you were discipled. It's kind of how it went back then. And it was healthy for that season of life. The, the, the spirit was at work. But we don't want to be about a program. We want to, don't want to be about curricula. We don't want to be about um, books and doing it that way. We want to be about the person of Jesus Christ. And that's often an argument we use when we contrast Christianity with religion, right? We say it's all about relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about rules and regulations and lists and checklists. And so what we want to do is point people to Jesus Christ. He is the one that we want people to follow. And this is how Paul says in 128, he says, we proclaim him. He's referring to Christ. The end of verse 27, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the hymn refers back to Christ. We proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. We point people to Jesus because of his life-changing power, the very resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We want to see people changed transform from the inside out. And that can only happen by the power of Jesus Christ at work in their lives. When we want to see change in ourselves or in others, we need transformation more than we need information. And Jesus Christ is the one who can give us the power to change us from the inside out. It is his power at work in us. Ultimately, he is the one who is discipling us. Now, commonly, we think of discipleship in terms of two people, one-on-one, -on -one, one discipling the other, or perhaps a leader of a small group discipling others. But it is ultimately Jesus who is discipling us to himself, no matter who he is using. And that's why we are called to join him in his work. Paul uses a word filled with rich meaning here. He uses the word proclaim. This word proclaim is used in many different contexts in that original language. It's everything from the herald who comes into the village with official news from the government and proclaims it, announces it, declares it. And it's used in all kinds of communication, all the way down to just casual conversation between two different people. And so it's a beautiful word for us to latch on to. And in fact, it's, it's a word that's combining two words together. It literally means to proclaim throw, throughout. In other words, as you go throughout your day, moment by moment, look for ways to proclaim Christ. Look for ways to share Christ, to point people to Jesus you realize how closely that links us to the great commission of Christ in Matthew 28, where he says, as you go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
we are to proclaim throughout, and it's given to us in the present tense, so we know enough to know that that means to just do it continually. This is our calling. This is the pattern that Paul lays down for us, and so if we were going to make a discipleship manual out of this, we would say the first thing that we need to do is to continually point people to Jesus. And in that regard, discipleship requires adventurous compassion. It requires us to love people enough to risk rejection. Discipleship has a very wide spectrum from building relationships with people who are not yet followers of Jesus Christ to sharing the gospel to their conversion to all the way seeing them grow into spiritual maturity like Christ. Now, typically... In Sunday school, we break that up, right? We call it evangelism and discipleship. But all of it fits under the umbrella of making disciples, again, the commission which Jesus Christ gave us. We want to be a people who join him in his work. We want to be a people who are willing to go out and risk rejection, whether it's with someone who doesn't yet know Christ or someone that we're trying to speak into their life to help them better follow Jesus Christ. Now, the Gnostics were the ones, the primary ones that Paul was speaking to uh, or, or poking at as he spoke to the believers in Colossae. And he knew that the Gnostics would teach a system. There was a system of teaching. You can think of some religious groups and cults that do that today. They have this religious teaching of system, a system of teaching. And once you master that, then you are spiritually elite. You have become complete spiritually in their books. And if you're especially elite, then you might get even the more serious secrets like the secret handshake if you make it to the top. That is one way that Paul was poking at them, letting these people know we proclaim Christ, we don't proclaim a system. There were also false teachers going throughout the land in that day, and they would teach their own religion. Now, their religion would typically have a list of rules and regulations, a checklist, if you will. Well, Paul's saying we don't have a checklist, we have a person. We don't have a program, we have a person. We're going to point to the person of Jesus Christ. So how do we disciple others to Jesus if we don't have a checklist and we don't have rules and regulations? We don't have secret systems of teaching. Well, when we listen to Jesus, he said that he just asks us to follow him. In Luke 9, 23, and in Mark chapter 8, he says, I want you to deny yourself. I, I, I want you to quit going your way, and I want you to start going my way. Say no to your agenda. Say yes to my agenda. I want you to take up your cross, and that just means full submission to Jesus. And then he says, and follow me, and follow me. Now, that's a lot harder, isn't it? I mean, it would be so much easier if we had a little uh, checklist we could put on our phone and, and check it out throughout the day. Am I, am I doing everything right here? That's not what he calls us to, because each one of us have individual, very unique lives. Each one of us is uniquely created by our living Lord. Each one of us has a unique mission. And so he just asks us to attach ourselves to him, to follow him. And that is how we will be discipled. So how can we point others to following him when we don't have that checklist and when they're all unique? Well, one of the ways to do that is just to study the Gospels. 
and to look at what are some of the essential elements that Jesus talks about when he talks about following him. So think about that with me. What are some of the things that he, he talks about? Well, one would be allegiance to him. We are to attach ourselves to him. There's supposed to be a, a deep and abiding loyalty to him, to love him and not to love the world. There's a personalized cost of following Jesus. And, and so that has to do with each one of us being different. And he's going to poke at whatever we want to give our life to that's not him. There's a cost involved. We're told to deal with sin seriously. We're to be guided by God's word. These are all essential elements of discipleship that if we were to think about and meditate on, they would draw us to Jesus so that we would see how he did those things with the Father. And they would give us something to speak about over lunch with a friend. They would give us something to concentrate on when we disciple. They would give us something to apply when we teach in an adult Bible fellowship. All kinds of ways that these essential elements come into play. And so through the Gospels, through God's Word, we have these essential elements for what it means to follow Jesus. When we point people to Jesus, we can do that. The most important part of discipleship is pointing others to Jesus. Paul lays out his methodology next in, in accomplishing how he approaches people in discipling others. Verses 128b, the middle part, and verse 29, we see this, that we are to pass along what God teaches us. Pass along what God teaches you. We are always influencing people. We are always discipling people. Think about it. Just think about it with your parents, if you will. Sometimes our parents have shaped us and influenced us, and they never sat us down and, and instructed us. They just shaped us and instructed us by watching them. And we learn things about character traits. We learn how important humility is. We learn what it means to be polite or to have a good work ethic. And, of course, it also means that we picked up bad things, right? We might have outbursts of anger that just mirror or mimic mom or dad or a passive-aggressive nature that mimic our parents. We are always being influenced. And the flip side is we are always influencing others. In fact, there are people that watch you right now you don't even have a clue about. They may just watch you in one area of your life. You know, the way you interact with people, how much you smile, whether you're kind. They want to know how to live life, how to parent, how to care give. People are always watching you. And so what we want to do here is we want to be intentional about passing along what God has taught us. We want to bring it into the spiritual realm, not just good character and not just good practices and habits for getting ahead in life in this world. We want to point people to Jesus so that they understand who he is. We're intentional about passing along what he teaches us, which means we've got to be intentional about maturing in Christ on our own, right? We've got to be growing spiritually growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. But we also have to be intentional in looking for ways to pass it along. Paul exhorts us here to relational disciple-making through admonishment and teaching and all wisdom. This is what he says. We proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Paul's example pushes us 
to think about discipling an authentic community. He uses the word we more than once here. He's speaking directly about he and Timothy and their work in discipling. But he's also speaking about what the church family in Colossae can be doing with one another. They can be discipling one another. They can be helping one another understand Jesus, understand what it means to follow Jesus, to process life, to understand how to obey Jesus and to make decisions according to God's word. The focus on every man and every woman is a focus that emphasizes relational disciple-making as well. Three times in this one verse, Paul speaks of this disciple-making in terms of individual relationships. Isn't that interesting? He's not saying, you know, when I stood in the pulpit and I spoke to all of you, or when we gathered in the marketplace that day to talk about prayer, he says, no, every man, every woman, that was their goal, was to reach each one. They were trying to be incarnational to move into lives and point people to Jesus. And what we learn from that is that we are responsible, all of us, to move into others' lives, to disciple one another. The apostle gives us a pattern here of methodology and content. It's not for apostles only. It's for each of us. You don't have to have a seminary degree to pass along what God has taught you. Here's the pattern we get from Paul, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom. Paul uses three key words here, admonish, teach, and wisdom. What we have here is words that help us in our own faithful engagement to Christ. Words that help us push others into faithful engagement with Christ. Admonish is a word of warning or correction. Teaching is a word of conveying truth and with all wisdom actually has a couple of thoughts behind it. Literally, it's the right use of knowledge. So we're trying to help people understand that the teaching of truth, God's word, God's truth that we give them needs to be applied into life. And we want to help them do that. But it also has to do with the beauty of personal disciple making relational disciple-making. Because when we are in small groups, when we are in mid-sized communities, when we are in one-on-one relationships, we get to know people and understand people. We get to know them and be known. We get to love them and be loved. And what that does is create an environment that opens up hearts to Jesus Christ. So we want to admonish people. We want to correct and rebuke. We want to warn them specifically about Satan's lies. It is so easy, immersed in this world and with such busy, fast-moving lives, to become immersed and to begin to believe Satan's lies. One of the reasons that we make such a big deal about baptism I invite the families in with us and, and ask them to take pictures and, and video and to celebrate that day with their family member that got baptized. It's just so that 20 years from now, when that family member that got baptized is having a difficult day and Satan starts taunting them or is caught in habitual sin, whatever it is, and Satan's taunting them and saying, you're not a Christian. When he whispers, you never trusted Christ. In fact, you're not worthy of him. He would never have you. That that person can go back and say, I don't have to believe that lie. Because I've got a spiritual marker in my life with witnesses when I publicly declared 
my relationship with Jesus Christ, and I trusted him by grace through faith. We want to admonish people so that they won't believe the lies of Satan. We also want to teach people. We want to convey truth to them. We want to convey God's word to them. We want to help them understand God's word as we help them shape their lifestyle in following Jesus. And that is, goes back to the commission that Jesus gave us. He said, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Here's a great way to do it. Whenever you read God's word and, and whatever you take from it, whether you're learning about God or yourself or how he wants you to respond to him, just come up with one thing and, and make it your desire, make it your plan to share that one thing that day. It might be with your child or your spouse or a coworker. It might be on social media, whatever it is. What that does is it helps cement that for you. You are learning it better by using it. But even better, it begins to influence others. It begins to disciple those around you because you are conveying God's truth to them. And then wisdom, as I said earlier, has both the methodology and the content. We want to help our church family learn to process life, to obey Jesus in all circumstances, and to be faithfully engaged. What we're doing is helping one another develop a pattern of life which intentionally allows God to transform us from the inside out to make us more like Jesus. Relational disciple-making is hard work. It involves time and energy to get to know people, to understand people, to speak into their life. And so I want you to see what Paul says in verse 29. Note the language he uses here. For this purpose, I labor, striving, according to his power, which mightily works within me. That striving is an athletic term. It was actually used on the wrestling mat. We know it as the term agonizing. So he's giving it all he has. He is all in and he's cooperating with the Holy Spirit because he is willing to go out and serve others and disciple others and give all that time and energy to others but he also expects the Holy Spirit to show up, to empower him, to work mightily within him, to allow him to be able to disciple others. And that gives all of us hope, right? We're imperfect people. None of us knows how to perfectly disciple another person perfectly. But we don't have to worry about that. We just have to be faithful. Be faithful. Let the Holy Spirit show up and empower you to disciple others and work in their lives to help them follow Jesus. Where the person is Jesus Christ, we're to point people to Jesus. The process is to pass along what God teaches us. And the third aspect we see in this verse is the presentation, to pursue spiritual growth. Our goal is Christ-likeness. Spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We know all these terms, right? They're all synonyms for discipleship, which is simply becoming more like Jesus. It's not something we do on our own. Something the Holy Spirit does in us as we respond in obedience to Jesus Christ. That's why I say cooperation. 
see that very clearly in First Corinthians or in Philippians uh, two twelve and thirteen. We see it in Second Corinthians three, where the Holy Spirit is at work making us more like Jesus, one degree of glory at a time. How do you know when you've grown spiritually? Well, Paul says this so that we may present every man complete in Christ. So you know when you're complete. But how do you know when you're complete? Well, one thing you can do is to examine your life against the fruit of the Spirit, the very character of Christ in Galatians chapter 5. Is your life being filled with characteristics like love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness? Another thing you can do is, is ask a close friend, somebody that knows you really well, to evaluate you and say, you know, over the last year, am I loving God and loving people more than I did previously? Do you see any growth there, any spiritual maturity? Again, we just go to God's word for the elements of discipleship and for the evaluation. Paul exhorts us to disciple one another in such a way that we see someone become more like Jesus. And he lays that personal responsibility on us. The picture here is of you and me presenting someone at the beam of seat of Christ to Jesus to show them how this person has been changed by Jesus through our willingness to treasure discipleship, to serve them, to work with them. We want to pursue spiritual growth. Being complete does not mean being perfect. It just means being mature, being brought to completion, maximizing our earthly life that God has given us and what he's called us to. Spiritual perfection will not be attained until the glorified state with Jesus. But the maturity here is contrast with the immaturity of spiritual infancy when you first came to Christ. We want to see progress becoming more like Jesus. Everything we do is tied to the power of the Holy Spirit making us more like Jesus so that everyone will encounter his life-changing reality through us. That's our calling in this world. That is our vision. That's what we want to do. And we are looking for people that treasure discipleship, people that are willing to not only change our church family radically by pushing one another toward Christ-likeness, but impact the community around us through this beautiful work of discipleship. Paul calls us to that. He lays out the pattern for us. Jesus has called us to it, and he's commissioned us to do the beautiful work of discipleship. And the next thing I want to do, I want to close by giving some goals that the elder board has worked through in the last few months as part of this process. And uh, the desire is to we, we were given tasks with strengths and weaknesses and needs, and then how can we accomplish these things, and how can we accomplish our core values and our vision and our mission? And so we believe that the Lord has led us in this direction. I'm going to read um, some of them. They will be on the, the uh, screen in, in a little bit, but I'm going to start with uh, discipleship. And I want you to know this, that we believe that growing into Christ's likeness is God's desire for us. We believe that as we each cooperate with the Holy Spirit in loving obedience, he not only empowers us, but he transforms us, making us more like Jesus. 
becoming more like Jesus is discipleship. We believe discipleship to Jesus makes us better individuals, spouses, parents, members of the church family, and members of society. We believe discipleship should not be delegated outside the local church, but is most fruitful when the local church is intentional about seeing each person grow as a Christian. So here's our goal. We'll put on the screen. Within four months, our CBC leadership will identify key elements of discipleship and make resources available to individuals, communities, and ministries so that our church family is more intentional in growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of those essential elements I talked about earlier, essential practices, essential skills. We want to put that together so that they are available to everyone, to individuals, to all the ministries of the church. We believe these elements for discipleship will clarify for those who wonder what's the point. We believe these elements for discipleship will continue the faith journey with enthusiasm for those who wonder what's next in this adventure. We believe these elements for discipleship will give confidence to those who wonder, am I on the right path to following Jesus? We believe these elements for discipleship will chart a path for those who wonder, how could I be involved in relational disciple making? And we believe these elements for discipleship will challenge those who wonder, is this all there is to the Christian life? Our big picture goal there, it's not going to be on the screen, but we believe that in five years, if you've followed the path and process uh, for discipleship, if we've all participated in this, that God can drop you anywhere in the world with a Bible and you'll be able to reproduce disciples of Jesus Christ. The second goal is volunteers into service. It, it addresses our core value of 100% employment. We believe this, that everyone wants to be involved in the church family by extending their reach in meaningful service. We believe everyone wants to understand how Jesus has designed them for service within the church family. And we believe everyone would like to be placed in meaningful service to Jesus through the church family. So our big picture strategic goal here is that in five years, you can stop anyone in the hallway and they can tell you where they serve Jesus at Conroe Bible Church. Our immediate goal is that within six months, the CBC leadership will begin to launch enthusiastic biblical servants of our Lord into their unique ministry at CBC through a system designed to help each individual understand their unique design and placement being placed where their unique design best serves the body of Christ the way he designed them. Our desire is to seek 40% coverage of the church family in the first year. So that could be a system laid out, and this one has been assigned to our staff, something like place or shape ministries where we look at our spiritual gifts and our abilities and our personalities and our experiences and our passions, and we get uh, some coaching, uh, have a broker help us find that place in Conroe Bible Church. So we don't want to just give everybody knowledge of what to do, but want to help them find where to best serve the Lord. Then we have a couple uh, on... Uh, the elder board and governance structure. We believe the manner in which we are governed, overseen, and administrator is biblical for its emphasis on servant leadership, plurality, and willingness to accept responsibility. These next two goals reflect on our governance structure. They help make us more efficient and Lord willing, effective in ministry. So here's what our elder board is gonna do, and, and um, this might be where we spent the most time 
because of the strategic position of uh, the elders who are um, a group of men willing to accept responsibility to shepherd the church family. By August 1st, we're going to prepare a, a brief elder booklet to provide an understanding of qualifications, operations, responsibilities, and equipping in order to launch the next several generations of servant leaders willing to accept responsibility to shepherd the church family at Conroe Bible Church. Some of that's in the Constitution, some of it's not, but we have so many newcomers and so many people that we have not equipped to be elders that we want to become aware in a very simple way. The big picture goal there would be that within five years, we're launching our second staggered rotation of servant leaders from now as elders willing to accept responsibility to shepherd the church family at Conroe Bible Church. Another goal for governance structure has to do with uh, being elder-led staff run. If you've been around here any years at all, you've heard that terminology used. And uh, here's what we're going to do. Beginning June 1st, our elder board, and it's actually already begun, but we'll restore, improve, and expand upon our elder-led staff run structure by delegating operating authority around the staff for collaboration, decision-making, networking of ministries, and implementation of day-to-day -day initiatives, which will draw in more ministry leaders as well. We will implement that on the fly and plan to cross the finish line by August 31st. That part's not in the Constitution. That's just a philosophy of ministry that we've chosen over time. We have a lot of experience. We have a lot of research. We have a fresh paper uh, presented on it. Uh, it's something we want to implement on the fly, and it's something that we're excited about. Uh, on the one hand, like I said, making ministry more efficient and effective and also freeing up the elder board uh, in their shepherding as well. And then three more. We have a goal for marketing that within six months, a team led by Chris Craig will provide an 18-month marketing plan that will give us consistent intentional exposure to our local community, providing a compelling picture of Conroe Bible Church through a variety of methods, ministries, and media. Uh, and again, that's in great hands, and, and Chris has already talked about uh, people he wants to bring on board with him there. And then a goal for stewardship of the building and property. This one's been assigned to the deacon board. Within four months, our deacons will identify maintenance, replacement, and improvement needs in our order, in, in order to create a proactive five-year plan of stewardship for our building and property. Deacons will oversee immediate implementation of the stewardship plan. And then the last one is one that I mentioned in the vision sermon of the waypoints, and that's a care center, a goal for a care center. Within two and a half years, we will construct our pavilion in the woods to house our functioning care center, which will serve North Montgomery County Ministries as a networking resourcing center staffed by Conroe Bible volunteers. We are excited about what God is doing. We are excited about what you are doing as you serve the Lord here, and we're excited about where he's taking us. We think that these and even some other goals that are more internal that have to do just with administration and, and organization and less with the organism of the church family uh, will continue to move us in the right direction. You can see that it's very much overarching, and that's why different goals have been assigned in different places. But we believe that it will just continue to give us a greater focus on pointing people to Jesus, which will honor and glorify him and lead to more people in our community coming to know Christ and growing to maturity 
in him. I want to thank you for being a part of this morning and being a part of the worship, being a part of the entire process, even though it lasted so long, through prayer and discussion and insight and input and uh, all the layers that, that went into it. And so we are deeply thankful. And I'm deeply thankful for the ministry that you're doing here. I think I heard either Chris or Dick say at the beginning uh, of the service, this is not because everything was uh, bad and going south. This is allowing us to kind of tighten our belt and move forward with greater focus. And especially again, with a lot of the newer people, allowing them to latch on and say, okay, I know who you are now. I want to be a part of that. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for the joy of getting to know you. We thank you that everything about the treasuring, the, the work of discipleship points us to you, allows us to cling to you, allows us to gain a fresh understanding of your grace and to experience your love and grace. And we ask that you would give us great strength and stamina and joy as we pursue following you in the coming days, weeks, months, and years in this season of Conroe Bible Church life, which is your life, for we are your body. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you guys stand up with us?
time here on this earth and let it glorify all that you are worth for I
Majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh Lord, our Lord, may we see your kingdom come. Father, may your will be done in all the earth. Thank you guys for being here and worshiping with us. You cannot leave. We have food across the hall. So you should stay and hang out with us and celebrate today a great day, a big day um, in the life of us as a family. So you guys are dismissed just to go over there. <laughs> Passing quickly through your hand, I give my life an offering. Take it all, take everything.